Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. We are so thankful for you as a listener and being a part of this, for joining us at this intersection here at Wall Builders, where we take on all the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. There is a resurgence happening in this country, and you should be encouraged. I know there's a lot of bad. I get it. I get it. There's all kinds of evil marching across the nation. But one of the silver linings when that happens is that it awakens people. It, it causes us to realize the value of our freedom. It causes us to realize the uniqueness of American exceptionalism, just how different this has been in the history of the world. And we're just super thankful for it. And we're thankful for you as a listener also being awake and looking for ways to make a difference and take action. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. And it is my honor to serve here at Wall Builders with David Barton and Tim Barton. Wall Builders has made a tremendous difference in the culture, uh, of course, being the tip of the spear for debunking the old separation of church and state myth, and then, of course, equipping citizens to think biblically about what's going on in their neighborhood, their family, their community, and, of course, our nation. And so it's an honor to be with these guys. David's, of course, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. I got to hear both these guys last weekend uh, at the legislators' conference that we do, and uh, just always reminded every time I get a chance to uh, to see the impact live in an audience when they share the truths of America's story. It, it's just it's just incredible. So if if you haven't done that, if you have not had a chance to take one of our biblical citizenship classes or Constitutional Live, Foundations of Freedom, America's Story, read the book of the American Story. I mean, all of these different courses and everything you can find right there at wallbuilders.com. You need to dive in. I'm telling you, you're looking for some encouragement, go to wallbuilders.com and dive in today. And then invite your friends and family. Make sure they know. Share this program today. we we got a special guest coming up today, Kevin Freeman. I mean, this is going to be a topic that I think is going to encourage you. I think it's going to make you realize the founders, that they gave us some some really good good tools in the Constitution that have kind of slept there. You know, they, they, they haven't been used. I mean, Article 5 uh, the amendment process and states being able to overrule the federal government, that's one of the ones that's been sitting there not being used that now definitely needs to be used, conventionofstates.com if you want to learn more about that. Uh, but then also the the ability to control, at least to some extent, our economic future and our currency and the states having some power to do that with gold and silver. And that, this is going to be a really interesting topic. And, and, and I hope that if you've never considered this topic, you're going to learn a ton. But even if you've you know, you've been someone that's, uh, you know, paid attention to, to gold and silver and, and you understand about the gold standard and all of those things. I think today is still going to be a big surprise to you what's in the Constitution and what we're allowed to do. So super excited about this. Kevin Freeman, great friend of the program. And uh, he and Marnie are just great pa- patriots and, and do a phenomenal job. Economic War Room is their program. Uh, we're going to be bringing that, by the way, to Patriot U, where you can watch it right there on uh, on Patriot U. That's patriotacademy.tv, where we're airing the tavern, and uh, and this conversation with uh, with Kevin actually takes place in the tavern. So we're going to bring it to you, though, our Wall Builders listeners, even before anybody else gets to hear it. So even before it's going to air on Patriot U or Warrior Poet Society or anywhere else, you get it first right here at Wall Builders. Not the whole thing. Can't give you the whole thing. I mean, then why would you go watch the tavern, right? So, uh, but you're going to get enough of it that you're going to be excited about this possibility and uh, and probably going to want to go watch the whole thing over at at PatriotAcademy.tv. We're going to take a break first. (laughs) Then we'll go to my interview with Kevin Freeman. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wall Builders. Hey, 
Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially, in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not, not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? Well, what is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. Thanks for staying with me. Great to have my good friend Kevin Freeman with me. Hey, brother, how about a little clank there with your, uh, do you have an economic war room mug? Yes, of Dude. course you do. There we go. Love it. Love it. Um, your topic is perfect for the tavern uh, because, you know, I'm always telling people, hey, the founding fathers didn't just uh, get into this mess because of, uh, you know, freedom as we typically think of it. Economics was a huge part of this and economic war was a big part of it uh, leading up for years to the revolution. You get that and you teach on it every day. Anyway, appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining me in the tavern. Oh, it's a thrill to be with you. Well, your new book is timely uh, and very, very important, Pirate Money. Um, we've got, uh, man, we've got some huge challenges in our nation and uh, certainly, you know, economic war around the world, but within our own nation, big time. And you've got some some movements going in state legislatures across the country. We, we want to inform people about that. What What is transactional gold? Talk about those sorts of things. But first, brother, just tell us about Economic War Room. Tell us about what you think is most important to educate people that have never thought about this side of the battle for freedom. Uh, what do you start people on when you're starting to get them to really think about economics? Well, you know, we used to think in terms of economic warfare, you mentioned the Revolutionary War and the Founders. You know, what, what was the, the Boston Tea Party other than an economic right. attack? Uh, but people forgotten it. I, I think when the Berlin Wall fell, and I've got a chunk of it, a uh, faux version, but a chunk of it behind me here on the set. When that fell, people stopped thinking of economics as an American issue versus other nations and started try, trying to think in a global terms. And then at the same time, we just assumed that the American military was the only dominant military on the planet. The Soviet Union was gone. We rule the world and everybody's adopting capitalism. We got flabby. We used to be really good at economic warfare. That's how Reagan beat the Soviet Union without firing a shot. That's how, right. you know, economic warfare was a big part of World War II. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had a Bureau of Economic Warfare. But we've just kind of forgotten that you, if you crash to the American economy, we lose. We're done. Yeah. If the American economy goes away, uh, the American nation goes away because we're so economic. That's not true in China, by the way. It's not true in Russia. It's not true in, in many other nations of the world. The North Korean economy is terrible, uh, but they don't disappear as a nation because of the nature of their system. But you take our economy away and we're, we're done. So what I try and tell people is this is a real part of warfare that we've kind of forgotten because we've gotten flabby and, and complacent. Yeah. And when you say flabby, I mean, I certainly think uh, fat and happy. And, and that's kind of what it is. We just spoiled for so long. I mean, we were on top for so long 
and could pretty much win no matter what we did as a nation uh, economically around the world because of our size and because of really living off of the sacrifice of and hard work of previous generations. Uh, but we're not at that place anymore, are we? No, we're absolutely not. And the Chinese are aware of it. The Russians are aware of it. North Korea, Iran, they're all aware of it. Our enemies or potential enemies have all realized that's our vulnerability. They, they don't necessarily want to take the American military head on. They'd rather undermine us using economic means, which, by the way, ESG is a type of economic mean where, where China right. says, hey, you're getting dirty air here. <laughs> Look at who's saying that. China, they're telling us that we need to amp up our, our regulations on our oil and gas industry and so forth so that we need to all move to clean solar. And who sells the clean solar stuff? China. It's economic yep. warfare. Oh, man. And, and, and all of this climate change stuff and the policies that the Biden administration uh, are, are not only pushing, trying to get through Congress, but actually doing through executive orders and, and through all kinds of regulations, um, all of that at the same time weakens America, makes China stronger uh, at, at every step of the way. I mean, even when you look at the you know electric vehicles and the, how all this stuff is made, I mean, they've been, I don't know, five, ten steps ahead of us uh, the, the whole way. Yeah, no, and they've funded it. They bought and paid for members of this administration, both houses, both parties. So you see yeah. Republicans in the House and in the Senate and Democrats in the House and in the Senate who were all bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. And then you see Hunter Biden and the laptop and you see all that. And you, you realize that this is not a short term plan. This is something they started about a quarter century ago in a book that they published called Unrestricted Warfare. And they pursued that strategy. They they had two heroes, George Soros and Osama bin Laden. And they said, if we could ever put the two of that capability together, well, that is economic warfare and financial terrorism. Man, Kevin, you've known me long enough to know I'm I'm not a doomsday kind of guy. I'm always glass half full, always try, you know uh, positive outlook, all that good stuff. But I am uh, I have a hard time putting a happy face and my happy war. You know, Reagan said, "Let's be happy warriors out to take back a world, you know, country and a world of freedom." I try so hard to do that, but I look at a lot of this stuff that's happening right now, and and I, I feel like th there's some defensive measures that I've always been offensive, but there's some defensive measures we've got to start taking. And and you're really good at that. And what, what you've been helping legislators begin to understand is how important it is that, that we recognize the dollar is in trouble and that, that we are potentially going to lose our, our ability to lead with currency and that we've got to take some measures at the state level because the feds just won't wake up on this. Talk to me about transactional currency. Talk to me about transactional gold. Talk to me about what you're doing in state legislatures to try to try to not not hedge our bet. I mean, literally just take a good positive step here. Yeah, well, we have $34 trillion of federal debt. We have a 5% interest rate, give or take. That is $1.7 trillion of interest every year, which is of the vast majority of our income tax receipts. It's, it's a dangerous situation. The dollar is under threat by foreign enemies. It's under threat by the spending of Congress. And they're doing that because they have unrestricted paper money, fiat money that they can print at will. And the Federal Reserve will buy any debt we produce. And then they essentially create the money out of thin air. That is what the founders faced. That's what the Continental Congress did. And it almost destroyed America. I've got a Continental note that I carry around. It's actually a four dollar Continental note. And George Washington said about those, he said, 
it, 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 you couldn't buy a wagon full of supplies with a wagon load of Continentals. They just, you know. Hey, and by the way, uh, you can't pay for your beer in the tavern with that anymore either. So yeah, just no, don't even try it. No. Not even- anyway, so I mean, <laughs> that was unrestricted paper money. And that's why Thomas Jefferson yeah. said paper is poverty. So they left a provision in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10. They said states can't print their own money. States can't coin their own money. But states can make gold and silver coin tender within the states. And some states have done that recently. We've seen tender laws, legal tender laws pop up in Utah and a a few other states. But the problem is, is it's not transactional. And so a state can say this gold coin or this silver coin. And by the way, when they talked about those, they were talking about a gold doubloon or a silver piece of eight, a Spanish milk. I'm going to, I'm going to, hey, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to read this for our audience real quick, yeah. just, you know, straight out of the Constitution, just so they know what you're saying is absolutely true. And uh, we're not making this up here. And, uh, and, and I also want to point out nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, the fact that they were dealing with this and thinking ahead and giving us this provision to use now. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, Article 1, Section 10, uh, no state shall without the consent of Congress lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter in any agreement or compact with another state or the foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit a delay. That's a, a part of Article 1, Section 10 we've been talking about for the border, actually closing the border and preventing the chaos that's been created there. States need to do their job here. Okay, but the part you're talking about is right at the beginning. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of market reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. So now describe what that means. Well, first off, no emit bills of credit means they can't produce paper money backed by nothing. Uh, No coining money means that they can't put base metals together with uh, gold or silver and produce coins. They had to use real coins so they couldn't put one percent gold in in a um, coin and and say it's worth ten thousand dollars they have to actually have the value of the metal the gold and silver coin and what they were using was spanish doubloons which are gold doubloons and spanish milled dollars also known as pieces of eight which that's why i got the term pirate money right here because you think gold doubloon and pieces of eight, you think Captain Jack Sparrow or you think uh, Long John Silver, yeah. you think pirates, right? Yeah. So they knew that. In fact, the term dollar from the Constitution was a common term, and it didn't mean a dirty green piece of paper with George Washington's picture on it. It meant a Spanish mill dollar, which is a specific amount of silver, 0.7734 troy ounces of fine silver. So they knew it exact silver content and milled means that it was produced on a machine so it had ridges around it so it wasn't just hammered out that you could shave off and cut off a little piece of it that's what they meant by dollar when they when they referred to dollar everybody in the world knew what a dollar was it was that spanish coin also known as a piece of eight that they would cut into eight pie-shaped wedges and those were bits and two bits made a quarter and four quarters made a dollar you know shaving a haircut two bits that's what that meant that's that was one eighth anyway so they said that if you use gold and silver coins and they made those legal tender and this is backed by so many supreme court rulings that i can bring up uh, over the over the centuries uh that that can be made legal tender lane county versus oregon i think was uh in the 1860s 1868 where a state said we will only accept taxes in gold and silver coins. 
the county treasurer in Lane County says, hey, I don't want to pay in gold coins. I'd rather pay in these greenbacks that the federal government is producing. They're legal tender, too. And Lane County versus Oregon said uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court, they said, no, no, a state can demand payment in gold and silver coin. And they said, but we're not producing any gold and silver coins. Well, there was another decision that same year, Bronson versus Rhodes where the federal government had outlawed the use of foreign coins like Spanish mill dollars and gold gold doubloons. But there was a contract between two individuals that said, I'll pay it in gold and silver coins. And one, the, the borrower who had to make the payment said, well, I, I don't have gold and silver coins, so I'll pay you in these paper currency that the federal government has produced. And this, it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, well, look, if you can't get gold and silver coins, you can pay in specific bullion, silver and mm. gold bullion measured in ounces, because the court ruling says, what is a coin other than the government stamping that it's a certain weight and a certain fineness of metal, gold or silver? So all the way through from from the founding and in 1787, which, by the way, the book sells for 1787 on Amazon uh, you know, to, in reference to the Constitution, from 1787 till today, states have had the legal right to make gold and silver coins legal tender. They could do it in the form of bullion. And here's the neat trick. The neat trick is that the state could take you, Rick, you could send in to Texas if this if our bills pass. We have bills in 18 states under consideration or or planning to be introduced. You could send in $1,000 to the Glenn Hagar, the Comptroller of Texas. He would take it and buy gold and sil or silver on your behalf, hold it for you, and then you could go spend it with a debit card. And all of that is backed by the Constitution. By There's another Supreme Court ruling, 1837, Briscoe versus Bank of Kentucky, where Kentucky was taking gold and silver on deposit and the issuing warehouse receipts, and the warehouse receipts traded as currency. All of this means that we have an optional gold and silver standard available for the American people at the state level that is real money. It's not in any way like a bank that loans out half of it or three quarters of it. It's not anything like paper money that's not backed by anything other than confidence in the federal government. This is a system that's available for the American people as soon as one courageous state passes it. It has real value. It has accurate, va honest value, right? It's like it's, it's literally backed by exactly what the value of that gold or silver is. I have a technical question for you. I've never understood this. So what is, what is the, as you were describing that, I was trying to make sure I understand this right. So, so what is the difference between, you know, tender and payment of debts? Or is there, is, is it just saying, is, is that clause just saying that whatever your, your coin is, it's legal tender that you can then pay a debt and when we pay a debt, that also means just buying something because that's a that's a debt you incur to buy that. Is that am I am I thinking about that right? That payment of debts doesn't mean you can only use it to pay off so, something that you bought previously. You could use it to buy something right now. Yeah, no. The, I know I threw about four questions at you at once, but I know yeah, you got them. No, the legal tender laws are the the reason you look on a, on one of your dirty green pieces of paper that you have in your wallet, and I've got one right here. Here is a United States dollar. It's not silver. It's a piece of paper. It says, in God we trust on the back. And it says, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. That is the government statement that you have to accept it. This is legal tender. Now, that's funny. There's a case that just came up. 
I, I mean, it's in the news today where a somebody lost in court and they had to make uh, like a $20,000 payment. So they went and got nickels and pennies and showed up to be a nuisance and to pay it. And the judge ruled that while it's legal tender, they're doing that obviously to be a nuisance. And so he ordered them to take the coins back and pay them in some normal fashion, like bills or check or, or electronic or whatever. But the reason he felt he could do that is because legal tender means that this is legitimate money and you have to accept it. If you're in the United States and you refuse to take my dollar, but you would take euros or British pounds, the government can come after you and say, Rick, you're making a mistake here. You need to take this. Yeah. This is legal tender. So if the state makes gold and silver coin legal tender and makes it transactional, then not only do you have to take it, but it has one other m amazing provision. It means you can own gold and silver and you don't have to pay capital gains if it goes up or down in value. Oh, I, I, I love this one. Okay, wait, hold, time out. Hold that one again. Just one more clarification so that I get this straight in my head. So that provision in the Constitution, I love what you said earlier. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's literally saying you can't do paper money that's not backed by gold and silver. Basically saying to the states, don't, don't do what you know we later have Nixon doing when he takes us off the gold standard for our federal tender, but it wouldn't allow states to do that. But states can still make tender out of gold and silver, legal tender out of gold and silver. Yeah. If I got all that right. Yes. And, and I want to throw something in there because you're constitutional teacher and and i read the debates about whether or not the government could issue unbacked paper money the federal government i read the debates yeah and they they put in a provision in the constitutional convention they said we will allow the government to to emit bills of credit unbacked paper money and governor morris stood up argued against it and they almost unanimously decided to reject it so the question comes up, why did they not put a provision in the Constitution that said they could not do it when they prohibited the states from emitting bills of credit? Why? And the answer is because they thought it was automatically prohibited, because if they're not enumerated as powers to the federal government, then they don't get the power. They had to say the states couldn't do it. They had to say the states couldn't do it because that power would have been reserved to the people or the states. Right. So they had to Good. prohibit it. But, and that was held true in a court case. No, you're right. And I bet the part, I, I don't remember that in the debates, and I bet that was in Article 1, Section 8, where it says they can borrow money on the credit of the United States. I bet that's where they were going to insert what you're talking about. That's very interesting. But, but there was a court case that came out um, that was in, I think it's 1869, late 1860s, because the entire Civil War, North and South, both paid for it by unbacked paper money. Confederate dollars, we know, were worthless. Uh, the greenbacks issued by the federal government were ruled unconstitutional in a decision called Hepburn versus Griswold. And I picture in my mind Catherine Hepburn yelling at Clark Griswold, you know, from the vacation movies. And that was ruled unconstitutional. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant then packed the court, added two new justices and Knox versus Lee, the next year, I think it was 1870, overturned Hepburn versus Griswold. That's why we can have unbacked fiat oh, wow. because that very bad Supreme Court decision, very terrible. Once again, unelected lawyers in Washington, D.C., making law, changing the Constitution without 
without permission. Uh, okay, I derailed you for a minute there. Um, I could geek out on this with you for a while, but I go back to what you were saying. We can we can own gold and silver. If, if one of these bills passes in any state, everybody in the U.S. can tap into this. We can own gold and silver and spend it on what you called almost like a debit yep. card, literally like a credit, literally go pay for a Coke or whatever at the airport that vendor's not even going to care or know but it's going to be tapping our gold and silver that we paid for at whichever state ends up adopting. Yes, and this the is- mechanics of it would be, let's say we were in Utah and Ken Ivory and Marla Oaks, the treasurer, uh, state rep Ken Ivory, big on this. They love it. They're going to introduce it. They say yeah. they'll be first. Florida is going to fight them. I'm going to fight here in Texas for us to be first. But, yes. but you could take this dollar, send it to the treasurer, the comptroller, he would then buy a fraction of an ounce of gold and hold it for you. And it goes down as little as that. Then you would have an app that you could tap to pay with your phone or you can use a debit card and you can just pay for it as if you as if you were using a MasterCard debit card. But the beauty of it is, is that your transactions would not be taxable. So in in 1933, Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt confiscated all the gold in America. They set people door to door and said, if you have gold, you're hoarding it. You need to turn it in and made it illegal to own gold in 1933. And he did that. And he said, I'll pay you for the gold we confiscate at $20 an ounce. One year later, he decided, you know, this gold is actually worth $35 an ounce. And so he upped the, the price of the gold and it held at $35 an ounce until 1971, when Nixon took us off the last vestiges of the gold standard. At $35 an ounce, if you'd bought gold and you sold it today at $2,000 an ounce, you would have essentially kept your purchasing power because what $35 an ounce bought then, you know, we, we've lost 87.5% of our purchasing power since we left the gold standard. All right, hate to do this to you folks, but we're out of time for today for the full interview with Kevin Freeman. Go to patriotacademy.tv and watch The Tavern. And on The Tavern, we get the full interview. He was just about to get into the IRS issues, the tax issues, and and why um, this solution, this transactional gold solution, will save you on uh, capital gains as well. Anyway, it's a really good deal. Lots of states looking at it. In fact, we had a great time, uh, again, at the Legislators Conference, where not only David and Tim spoke, but Glenn Beck and all these other people, including Kevin Freeman. And I'm telling you, these legislators are racing to see which state will pass this first. This is huge. We've got to get it done. It's very, very important for our economy, for our future, for the country. Um, So very thankful for Kevin Freeman being with us today. Thank you for listening today. You've been listening to All Builders. We stand undivided forever.